When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Tell It Abs It Is podcast, your home for everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your hosts, Griffin Youngs and Christian Boulay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Griffin Young, joined by Christian Bollet. As always, the vibes are back for the Colorado Avalanche just a couple of days after our last episode because a couple of things finally went the Avs' way. They beat the Dallas Stars 5-1 to one on home ice and turn what could have been a six-point deficit to the Stars in the Central Division to now only a two-point deficit against the Stars. But the most important news the Avalanche could possibly receive at this point in time. Val Nichushkin has been cleared by the Players Association to come back to practice for the Colorado Avalanche, and he has been back out there with the team in practice, working his way back up to game action. Simply no bigger addition that this team could be making right now. No, it's an early trade deadline acquisition for the Avs. It's just plain and simple that they... They are a different team when Val plays in the lineup. Uh, our buddy Evan tweeted out the stat after his first day of practice. The record with Val Nachushkin is completely different than without. And I think you said before we started recording that without him this year, they are 9-8-2 or 8-9-2. Uh, yeah, they are a totally different team. Uh, for example, this year they're 26-11-3 with him. So uh, kind of a big deal to be adding him back into the lineup. And it's just another gritty net front presence that this team desperately needs, man. They desperately need some net front presence. I mean, ever since Val exited the lineup, they were able to get by for a little while before the All-Star break with some decent results. Since then, I mean, it was apparent they needed this guy back in a big way. Ever since he graduated into that top six role in the cup year, the difference of having him in the lineup versus having him not in the lineup I don't really know that there is a player in the league that has this like weird value that Val has with the Avs. The only other player that even comes to mind is Mark Stone, but Mark Stone is like a star player and like a well-respected like top line guy in his well, own he's right. Always, he's and that's 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 what I mean. And that, yeah, that's what he's also just always <laughs> out anyway. But with Val, it's like I feel like people who don't watch the Avs know Val's good. But Avs fans and the Avalanche organization understand that, like, this guy with the Avalanche is a borderline necessity. Yeah, there's a reason why they signed him to that big deal. Like, there's a reason why. And last year was kind of an anomaly. He was battling injuries all year. But before he went into the player assistance program, he was playing arguably the best hockey of his career. Yeah, this was the the best version of him that we had ever seen. Right, he was, he's went into the player assistance program sitting on 22 goals in 40 games, and for my money, 
easily the best net front presence in the league to that point. Yeah, absolutely. And you, it just makes it more like, I think you look at it glass half full. If he was playing that well while battling the demons he was, imagine what he's going to be like now clear-minded. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> We've seen just, what it's done at- for Sam Gerrard. It's, it's been night and day difference for Sam Gerrard since he's come back. And Val was already playing good hockey battling the demons he was battling, and hopefully he got the help he needs. Obviously, he was cleared uh, to exit the player assistance program. So, I mean, we could be getting a better version of Val Nachushkin, which is kind of terrifying for the rest of the league. Yeah, I mean, you took the words right out of my mouth with Sam Gerrard. If you can imagine the kind of boost that Val Nachushkin is going to be getting coming back into the lineup and back up to speed, I mean, that is a a terrifying thought for the rest of the league. And now you sit here and look at this team after our pretty downtrodden episode after the loss to Toronto a couple of days ago. Now all of a sudden, you, you dangle putting Val back in the lineup. You have a 5-1 win over the Dallas Stars, and everything's super close in the division race. The trade deadline is only a couple of days away, and just this team, they feel really close right now. And I think just this entire road trip and the the last month and a half, us especially, we've really underestimated just how important Val is to this team and how just having him back fixes a lot of the issues that we've been seeing over the last little while. A lot of defensive breakdowns gets covered up by Val, how much he takes out of the other teams. The power play especially was humming earlier in the season, particularly because Val was so good in front of the net and the penalty kill, which has been struggling a little bit, was much better in part because Val Nachushkin is so valuable in in all aspects of the ice. Yeah, it's no doubt this team struggled over the last little while without him. And now you're getting him back with the schedule, I wouldn't say easing up, but not as bad as it's been. I mean, February has been a gauntlet for this yes. team. Having to do that without Val is an almost ridiculous ask. And now the schedule is easing up a little, and they're going to be getting Val back for that with 21 games to go before the playoffs. 21 games to go. What? Where do you envision him playing when he gets back into the lineup? I mean, probably starting on the second line. I mean, because what are you talking the second line, the Roaring Twenties line? Are you talking Johansson, Druan, and Val? Yeah, I'm talking Druan, placeholder, and Val. Okay, okay, I like that thought too. I like that thought too. It it's it's going to be a good problem to have. Like, oh, where are we going to put Val? Right, exactly. The the thing with Val is it doesn't matter. Right. You can you can put him with McKinnon and Ranton and you can put him on the second line and he's going to be one of the main drivers in that top six. Regardless, I mean, we haven't seen him with Arturi Lekkinen essentially the entire season. Correct. We've not had the, the liberty of being able to either have those two together or split them up and just have them two puck hounds on two separate lines for the entire season. And now you're going to be getting it at the most important time. And if the Avalanche are going down the route of getting another center at the trade deadline, now for the first time all season, you have a rounded out top six. Correct. Correct. And it's just, I mean, obviously Val's not going to come back in and play his usual, as Bednar says, 27 minutes and do it easily, but he'll probably start on that third line and you bump Parisi down, I'd assume. I think Parisi is probably the first guy to get yeah. bumped down. I mean, I think they signed Parisi to play fourth line. Right, which isn't a bad thing. It's not that Parisi's played bad, but Val Nachushkin's Val Nachushkin. I imagine he'll start with Duran and Johansson, and then as he starts to ease back in and as the trade deadline comes, 
that second line center is going to have a hell of a time joining the line with big Val. <laughs> Can you imagine me the second line center coming in on this team and being like, Oh, I get this big fuck. Yeah, let's go. Oh, like, this dude, my life is so much easier yeah. with this guy um, on my team. He's going to cover up like all my defensive lapses. Let's go, man. This is sweet. Yeah. That's exactly what Val does. Val is just such a problem solver on this team. And just incredible credit to him for taking the step that he did when what many people would have perceived as a inopportune time in the middle of the yeah. season and the best part of the best season he's ever had to the, that point of the year. I mean, full credit to him for taking responsibility for himself and his family. And here's hoping that everything that's been bothering him in the past can finally be put in the rearview mirror and he, he deserves that for both himself and for his, his family and his new kid. Yep. So adding him back in the lineup, that was just kind of the great news we got. Was that Monday morning that that happened? Yep. So it, it, again, it was a lot like the Sam Gerard where there's no murmurs that he's coming back. And then all of a sudden, boom, he's just on the ice and you're like, Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> like, yep. This is sweet. about, it was about January 5th, right after the first Toronto game. So it was about 40 days in the player assistance program. And Freddie Olsen, who we talked about last episode, ultimately cleared waivers. This makes a lot more sense now as to why that move took place. Also, it seems like they like Chris Wagner is just a little more of a sandpaper guy on the fourth line. But finally, that picture comes into to full view. Val Machushkin back with the avalanche scary news for the rest of the league so you weren't entirely wrong about your thought of like there has to be a move according exactly like that that's what i meant like it really didn't make a ton of sense just be like yeah we really like chris wagner right now that we need to be doing we need the flexibility immediately (laughs) it was like flexibility for what that makes a lot more sense that you're putting val back in the lineup and just giving him a little while and also olafson cleared so all potential risk and problems averted you also have 30 days for him to go up and down without problems on waivers or anything like that. And so now everything just works out perfectly. Yeah, it it was honestly, I can't imagine the two days going any better for the abs than these past two days. Yeah, it's just it's the nature of the NHL in an 82 game season. It's a goddamn roller coaster. I mean, I I was not happy with myself. After last episode, I felt like I was very negative and being like, oh, the trade deadline is not going to matter all that much if you move to Dallas. So I guess <laughs> imagine I was... if you're a new listener and you listen to those ad episodes and then you come and listen to this episode, you'd be like, are these guys fucking bipolar? And it's like, yeah, kind of. <laughs> I mean, a little bit. Yeah, I very much live and die by the whims of my hockey team. So that's just how it is. But like, that was exactly it. I was like, I don't, I don't know if I really feel that way. Maybe it wasn't a great idea to go right after that Toronto game, but... <laughs> Even it, still, I mean, we both were that way. I was like, I don't know if this is a team you invested in. Now Val's back in the lineup, and you go, really? They're just a two C away from being a fucking juggernaut. Like, I mean, and they <laughs> just beat Dallas. Granted, Dallas on the second half of a back to back, but they played as perfect of a game as you could ask of them in this. Outside of giving up the goal a minute in, Dallas outside of a stretch early in the second period was was never in this game. The Avs played. Fantastic. Defensively, they shut them down in the middle of the ice. They gave them nothing. Georgiev, he, he deserved a shutout in this game. I'll give him a gentleman shutout just because of the only goal a minute in. I mean, he gave Dallas nothing, and the Avs just ha- had them completely outmatched. Yeah, I mean, this this is a, a different than the previous two Stars games, in my opinion, just because 
the stars did play an overtime game the night before. So really the abs took Sh- care shocker. of the, the stars in yeah. overtime never happened before. Never happens. They did what you're supposed to do to a team on the second half of back-to-back coming into Denver. Like this was the performance I expected and it's the performance we got. This was, like you said, I thought one of the better executed games we've seen in a while. Georgiev covered up for the few mistakes that the abs did make. Like you said, he probably deserved a shutout in this game. It kind of reminded me of like the, the pitcher who throws a one hitter and the one hit was in the first inning. Like Mm -hmm. that's kind of what this was. He was great tonight. And that's just the frustrating part, man, because if that's the Georgiev we're getting the rest of the year, you're good. This team's going to be tough to beat. Yeah. But the problem is, is he has not shown that he can be that type of Georgiev for more than a game at a time. But we have been saying that a lot more recently, where it's like, if he just does this every time, then you're going to be fine. Yeah. Against Toronto, not his best night, but against Vancouver, he was very good against Arizona. Brought himself to a 900 against Washington. He was good enough. I would say, like, he's had pretty decent performances as of late. Has he been perfect? No. But in this game, I think to your point, this is the best executed game this team has played in a while. Like, I, I can't even name the last one off, off the top of my head that they looked like this just locked in pinpoint. And to your point, there were a couple of mistakes. That's why you pay a goalie to right. make those stops on those opportunities where there was a couple of times that the stars had a couple of rushes. Jamie Ben had a couple of looks, but he's getting the pad on him. He's making the flashy glove save. And when it was two to one early in the second period, the stars had a good push going. And oh, they were great to start that second period. Yeah. And Georgiev, he shut them down, kept all the momentum on the abs side and gave Cagliano the opportunity to put them up by two. McKinnon scores less than a minute later. It's four to one. The game's over. And that doesn't happen without Georgiev making those saves. So the Avs execute defensively. And even though they give up like 34 shots in the game, it, it didn't feel like that. Not a lot of what Dallas did was overly dangerous. A lot of shots from the perimeter. Like that's the kind of game that Alex Georgiev loves. He's plenty active, just shots from distance that he can see. Just fantastic execution and McKinnon keeps the home point streak alive. There's just so many things to love about this game. Yeah. I think the, the save that showed me that Georgiev was locked in was, I think it was might've been near the end of the first period uh, start of the second, he lost his goal stick and the stars came back in on a pretty good chance. And he just made the save with no problem. I was like, okay, he's locked in tonight. We'll be good. That's (laughs) that's the same one for me. I was like, yeah, okay. We're good. He yeah. showed up, and he. Th- this is a game where he just straight up outdueled Jake Ottinger, who was not very good in this game for Dallas and the Avs. They just have they haven't had a ton of those this season, where they've had to outscore a lot of their problems. And Georgiev just gave them everything they could ask for in this game. Yeah, and ESPN put up a stat near the end of the broadcast where the Avs have twenty one wins this year by three plus goals, most in the NHL. So when this team wins, they typically win by a lot. It's just there hasn't been a lot of winning lately. So it's been a little, a little bit, uh, uh, a misused stat because yeah, they have those much wins, but they haven't won a lot lately. So when this team does win, they win by a lot. It's just, you need goaltending and they got it tonight. And I thought the turnovers, they, they started off a little sloppy, but I thought they got better as the game wore on. Yeah. It's, it seemed like Dallas had a very good forecheck against them, especially while the abs were in their own defensive zone and seemed like the defenseman didn't know how to handle it 
early on. There were several times I pinpoint like Gerard looked a little bit confused or seemed like there was a couple of miscommunications with him and Taze and Byram and Manson on some of the clears that led to some chances for Dallas. But Georgiev was able to make the saves on the impending keep-ins and it didn't really matter all that much for them. Yeah, that one goal that the uh, the Stars got was, it, how do you say his name, Stanigovic? Stan Coven. Stan Coven. Yeah, ESPN was just loving that guy for some reason. You would have thought this dude like had three hat-tricks in his first three games with how much they were talking about that guy. He gets the first goal. I can't really blame Georgiev too much for that one. That was just a defensive breakdown. But after that, the Avs just took over. And our guy and the entire fourth line tonight was the best the fourth lines looked all year. Yeah, they were great. Cogliano, two points in the game and a goal. And Kibi Ranta, his first goal in, what was that, 31 games, dating all the way back to December. His third goal of the season comes against his former team. And Chris Wagner, I thought, looked really strong, too. He picked up his first point of the season. It's like, just based on the early returns on Chris Wagner versus Freddie Olofsson, Wagner, I think, just fits what they're trying to do a, a little bit better, just a little bit more sandpaper in that bottom line that they're looking for. And I also just think the Avs fourth line center has been such just a rotation of bodies that anytime a new person comes in, we're kind of getting the new toy effect. I'm sure Wagner will do stuff where you're like, okay, maybe we bring back Freddie, but you have options at fourth line center. I agree. He's been, he's added a little bit more physical element. He seems to be finishing checks a little bit more. Uh, he had a pretty good scoring chance that Ottinger robbed, but the fourth line as a whole, like you needed depth scoring in this game and you got it in, Tons. I mean, that goal by Kiviranta, I think it was, what, 68 seconds after the Stars had scored to tie the game, just took back all the momentum, brought life back into the building. And the Cogliano goal was, like, you forget that Andrew Cogliano is, what, 38 years old? <laughs> that speed from him was ridiculous. Yeah, Cogliano, he's had a real strong stretch lately. He scored against Toronto last game. He's got two goals in his last two games. He had the beautiful assist to, to Kiviranta to get it right back. I mean, that's that's one of the things this team's been missing for a lot of the year is just the response from guys that are not their superstars. Because the, the Stan Coven goal, a minute in, first shot of the game, really could have put a damper Ooh. on things. You, you damn know it was putting a damper on me, being like, here we go. Here we go again. <laughs> it's the big, biggest game of the season, second half of back-to-back, -back, literally the one thing you can't have happen. First goal on the first shot to give them energy on the road. Really could have railroaded itself out of control. But it's just a great play from the fourth line to set all that up. Cagliano to Kibiranta off the post, into the net, momentum, right back, all abs for the rest of the period. I thought there was a good response from that fourth line, too, after they got kind of caved in by the Leafs on Saturday. Like that fourth line, the Leafs kind of dominated. So that was a good response by that fourth line in tonight's game, and I was really happy to see that. And, man, I mean, Yoel Kiviranta, so that schedules him for his playoff hat trick. Should be right on time then, right? Yeah, we're almost going to be up to three on the season. So you put those all in one game for the playoffs. It's all, it's all going to come at the right time. We're trying yeah, we're the process. right on schedule for the OL Kiviranta playoff hat trick. Yeah. Now, see, like, I've, I haven't minded Kiviranta's game as of late. Like, I thought he's been a bit more noticeable over the last couple of games. Like, there was definitely a good, like, 10, 15 game stretch in the middle of this drought where you just forgot he was here. But I think over the last little while, I think after the road trip where it, he was just getting a little more involved, picking off some passes, getting some chances. So good to see him get rewarded. 
He's probably, if the Avs make a couple of moves and eventually Kovalenko as well, probably going to be a guy that gets squeezed out of the lineup. But it's good to at least know you have an option in there with Kiviranta. And and this is the kind of player he is. He's He's an extra forward. Yep. He's been exactly what we thought he was going to be. Exactly what we thought he was going to be. And I think Stars fans were probably just chuckling at the fact that he scored because that's just what Yoel Kiviranta does. He just scores random ass goals. But I agree with you. Once you get these players back, I imagine he's going to be the one squeezed out. I don't think they'll put him on waivers because there could be a playoff team that scoops him up. But I also kind of thought the same thing about Olafson. Yeah. And Kiviranta's a winger. I don't know. And team, teams aren't super thrilled about taking on extra contracts this late yeah. in the season. So I would be a little confident that he clears, but not enough that I would just do it immediately. Yeah. Like it would have to be a kind of thing where you maybe try to be a little clever with it. Yeah, I agree. But he's he's been exactly what we thought he was going to be. And this was his best game he's had probably since the I think it was the Jets game he had a goal. Like, it was the best game he's had in a very long time. And the fourth line did a phenomenal job tonight. So shout out to the fourth line. And then another guy we've kind of given some shit to. I thought this was Miko Ranston's best game in a very, very long time. He he looked back in this game. Like, he looked engaged. Yep. Like, you haven't been able to say that about Miko Ranton in a ton. He looked engaged. And the goal he scored that gave the Avs a lead, ultimately the game-winning goal in the game five minutes in. I still think that's silly that we record game-winning <laughs> goals like that. But even still... It's just, it's a great, beautiful keep in. Lekkinen working super hard. McKinnon continuing to get towards the net. Ranton causing chaos in front, forcing Ottinger to be 20 feet out of his net and just banging that puck in. It's not a, it's not a shot from 20 feet away. He's getting down and dirty with it, with everyone else and getting himself a very greasy goal, which is something that you need. And now he's got goals in two straight games. Two straight games, and I thought the play that really showed it for me, I forget, it might have been in the second period, he made a diving breakup of a pass where he laid down flat, and it was on the defensive end, and you go, oh, that was Miko Rantanen breaking up that play. Like, okay, he's he's he may be back, and maybe he just needed that goal to get him going because that's the frustrating part, man, is like you see games like this for Miko, and you go, why can't you do this every fucking night? Yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, I think that's a microcosm with the whole team is you see them play like this against Dallas and go, that's why I was so frustrated against Toronto and Detroit, where it's like, okay, you had momentum and opportunity to start turning in performances like this. And for some reason you couldn't do it, but then you do it against Dallas. It is frustrating, but you know that they're capable of it which has just been the very confusing part of this Avs team this season. You know they're good. You know they're really good. They've got some of the best players in the world. Do they need a, just a little bit more help? Absolutely. But it's also like the stat you brought up earlier. They ha- they're they leading the league in wins by three-plus goals. This team, when they really want to, just runs people over. They run people over. And do you think at all that like the regular season has gotten to the point where it's just a little boring for them? I think to a certain extent that can be true. I mean, and game 50 of the season can be a a bit of a slog, but the way the Avalanche are right now, fully in the thick of a playoff race, or not really a playoff race, more of a division race with Dallas and Winnipeg, I was just relieved to see them 
treat this game like a mini playoff game where they they took it seriously the details were there and it, maybe it's just playing against east teams on the road where you're just like i just want to go home kind of thing where tampa has done that for the last little while over the last couple of years they don't seem to take the regular season overly serious maybe that started to creep in with them but i also just think like they they seemed a little frustrated like they were genuinely trying to be better and things just weren't going their way and that they also understand that you don't just flip the switch when it right. comes time for playoffs like you still got to do the right things and create all the right habits and then just turn it up even more once the postseason starts yeah so it, it'll be it'll be interesting to see just because this team is what we're in year five now of the window being open i'd say yeah, I mean, when, when when would you count it? Like the second playoff run after we? Yeah, beat? when they won a series, I think the window opened. Yeah, so year four or five with it, they're. I know they technically aren't locked into a playoff spot yet, but they're yeah. what 14, 15 points ahead of the the second wild card team. Yeah, I mean, right now, if you look at the standings in the league right now, like they're they're pretty comfortably ahead. The Avalanche have seventy seven points and. Calgary outside of the playoffs has 63. Yeah. They're they're 14th points up on a playoff spot at the moment. So I mean they aren't locked in yet but they're essentially locked in so now it's just playing for home ice which uh, when the Avs are this good at home the best record in the league home ice is going to mean a lot. Yeah. Pretty critical down the stretch. Also I have to say the the graphic that ESPN Plus had in this game. Now, I'll have my thoughts on the ESPN <laughs> broadcast as a whole again. Ob obligatory complaining about the ESPN broadcast coming later. Warning now. But they showed a graphic that gave the Avalanche a 3% chance to win the Central Division. You know how they get those numbers, right? They make them up? No, it's based on the betting money. Right. So people well, are betting. Put, put, that on, put that on the sportsbooks then. I want to bet on that. Give me, 10, give me 10 to one odds on the avalanche winning central. It's up right now because that's the first thing I did. I went and looked at it and I was like, that's the reason why that stat happens is because they based on the money that's been put in. Yeah, and, and every single person should be betting that immediately. <laughs> that is insane value for a team that is two points back. Yes. Winnipeg has games in hand on us. I understand that. But to say the avalanche 97 times out of 100 do not win the Central this season with 21 games to go is crazy. Yeah, it's crazy, but that's that's how they get those numbers. So the home ice is going to mean a lot for this team, though. We've, we've seen it. The road struggles. Maybe they find a way to get back to the road Warriors as the season goes on. But you need four games on your home ice. You need them. You yeah, need them. You just got to be passable on the yeah. road even and they're gonna find out just how good they are on the road coming up here in about a half a month or so i mean they got chicago and nashville coming up on the road which have not been guaranteed wins for this team so far this season i mean they lost their one in chicago earlier and i don't think any of us need to be reminded about nashville and having to play yeah. 60 minutes doesn't that game feel like 10 months ago yeah, it feels like an entirely different season ago. <laughs> just sandwiched right between the the team's best run of the season where they won, what was it, seven of eight, that one loss. They gave up two goals in the final minute to lose in regulation. So I'd like to get that one back if we can. Yeah, that would certainly be later. Nashville's playing some decent hockey. They, I don't, they're kind of the flyers of the West because I keep waiting for them to go away. And every time you look at the playoffs, they have uh, – pretty sizable lead at the moment on the wild card and you can't really pinpoint why uh yeah no you can't really pinpoint why but 
Getting back to the Stars game, you mentioned at the beginning, uh, Nathan Kinnick sends his point streak to 29. It's always nice when he does it early in the game and you just don't have to worry. It's like, okay, good. You got that. I was so worried coming into this game because it's a national broadcast and they're all mentioning it off the hop and it's Dallas. And I went, fuck, this is, they're totally going to jinx it. And it's totally going to happen tonight that he's not going to score a point. But he got it out of the way in the first five minutes, which is very nice. Fine by me. And he could have had a couple more goals. Ottinger made really his only good saves of the night against Nathan McKinnon. So good for Nathan McKinnon. Um, I'm trying to think what else to say about Nathan McKinnon that we haven't already said this year. But I did find it funny that he has two points tonight. And you could make the case he wasn't even the ass best forward. Yeah, <laughs> he had two points, and you're like, he may not have even been the best player for the apps tonight. Yeah, which is a prayer for your to say ever about Nathan McKinnon. <laughs> I, I personally would argue that he was the best forward, but even still, a lot of guys had a good game on the apps tonight, and it's a shame with McKinnon because I I think he's starting to slip out of the the heart conversation, not for any fault of his own, but I think people are just kind of dead set on Kucherov and and now putting Matthews in that conversation. And now McDavid is 11 points back of the, the point scoring lead. He's going to continue to climb up there. I just, it, I just, I just think it's dumb, honestly, but it is dumb. I get that Matthews is going to score 70 goals, but he's going to only end with like 102 points. <laughs> like he's pretty close with Nylander in points right now for the team lead. Can you right. EP if you don't lead your team in points? Yeah, that's kind of my thought process. But it was what I think we talked about in the last episode where a majority of the votes from the media are in the Canadian markets. So they're probably going to vote for the Canadian players. But I do think that McKinnon, he hit a little bump on that road trip just like everyone else did. But I think he's going to make a push for it near the end because I think after tonight that puts him five points back of Kucherov. I think even less. I think it was like four. Four or five. And the thing with the Lightning is is – they're tied in points with the Flyers. Like, it's not like they're running away with it. And the they playoffs. got they, beat up by the Flyers yeah, today. There's a chance they miss the playoffs. And they are they're, they are the second wild card at the moment. I don't think they miss the playoffs because they're competing against the, the fucking Capitals. So, but even still, point taken on Tampa. But I just, I find the whole thing frustrating with the heart because it's the same conversation we had months ago. Did we not call this? Oh, we said there's plenty of season left where Kucherov's going to pull away from the rest of the Lightning for the team leading points. McDavid's going to make a comeback. Matthews is going to score a ton of goals. And they're going to justify taking the heart away from McKinnon with the same justification that they used to give it to Dreisaitl a couple of years ago. And then the same justification they used to give it to Hart a couple of years ago. They they moved the goalposts. Where Taylor, Hall. Taylor Hall. What did I say? You said Hart. Oh, Taylor Hart. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, but they gave the heart to heart. They gave the heart to yeah. We, we're having a heart to heart right now about how <laughs> fucking bullshit this is. And with yeah, that Taylor Hall one pisses me off ridiculously. Oh, so. that's gonna be the most obscure NHL MVP of all time. Yeah, and the dry side of one's just as dumb. And we're if we're gonna give Kucherov the heart because he's always just so far ahead of the rest of the team in points, I give up. Like there's <laughs> then then McKinnon should have two right now so forgive me for thinking there's a bit of fucking back pay owed right now yeah there's a little bit of back pay owed so yeah i mean mckinnon was good in this game tonight he could add two or three goals i think he just needs another one of those like four or five point nights just to put him back on the map because you look at like the past couple of weeks 
You had Matthews go on that crazy hat-trick run. Kucherov hasn't really slowed down. If McKinnon can have one of those games where he just goes on like a 10 points in three games run, I think he'll be right back in it. Yeah, I, th- I think he's got to save it for the end. Where the, if you, I've, you remember like our end of season schedule? It's brutal, isn't it? Yeah, so April 1st is Columbus. But then after that, April 4th, Minnesota, second half of a back-to-back against Edmonton, Dallas, Minnesota, Winnipeg, second half back-to-back Vegas, finish up against Edmonton. If McKinnon dominates that stretch, he's going to have a good shot. I think it's all going to come down to that. Oh, it's all going to come down to that. And I just, I forgot how brutal that last part of the season is. That's going to be, I mean, good for the NHL for making the games at the end of the uh, end of the season fun, but... Man, that's going to be a brutal stretch. Two of our four games against Minnesota, two of our three games against Edmonton, and two of our most important division games against Dallas and Winnipeg, and then our final game against Vegas. That's going to be that's going to be a murderer's row of uh, games we got at the end of the season. But also, like Minnesota, who knows what they're going to be like after the trade deadline? Yeah, they finally had their their win streak snapped, but they're they're seven two and one in their last ten games. Like they haven't lost a ton, but they've also lost a lot of their important games yeah. as of late. And then most of their wins haven't been super crazy impressive. I mean, they've beaten Edmonton and Vegas and Pittsburgh recently. So, I mean, they, and they might not even be sellers at the deadline. They're four points back of Nashville right now. I mean, they're very much still in this. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that they, they just. They're still battling a ton of injuries, but we'll talk about Minnesota later. I don't really feel like having that conversation about yeah, them. Yeah, they don't. They don't deserve our attention. Right? Yeah, they're. It would they, be very funny if they were just written off all year and then they still make it to the playoffs. Yeah, I would. They, find they that can. Funny. They can fuck off until later. For all yeah. I know. But continuing on this Dallas game, uh, Kale McCarr sets the record for most points ever scored by a defenseman in franchise history. Passing Tyson Berry with the assist on Nathan McKinnon's four to one goal, and finally Kale McCarr stands alone atop the Avalanche Mountain for defenseman, as, as if there was ever any doubt. I mean, good lord, it's twenty five, and he's already on top for all defensemen in Avalanche history. I don't think there's any conversation as to who the best defenseman in Avalanche history is. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that record never gets broken. Yeah, I say there's a pretty good chance of that. <laughs> I'm, for, for I'm just going to go out on the limb. I'm going to say he's probably never going to have that record broken. Yeah, for 25-year-old Kale McCarr, I feel pretty confident that that record is not getting touched Yeah, anytime I soon. I, I think not even close in our lifetimes. Yeah, I mean, unless there's another Kale McCarr coming in the system, but that's again, I mean, McCarr's probably going to finish with, what, a 1,000 points? Right. It was like, let's let's extend the whole conversation. Like when Kale McCarr's career is done, is there going to be another defenseman in our lifetime that's going to have more points than him? Not just abs, like defenseman, period. I don't think so. I mean, that's it's, I mean. there's there's no really like player I'm thinking of that even has a chance. Like we haven't seen him yet. So I agree in our lifetime. Well, probably like it would be very funny if like we're still doing this podcast when I'm 90 and you're like 83 and it's like, oh, someone finally broke Kale McCarr's record. Remember back in 2024 when you said that that would never get broken? You idiot. Like that, that'll be that'll probably be us. Yeah, probably. I don't think we'll remember that. But no, no I'm still do- if I'm still doing this podcast when I'm 84, I need someone to step in. 
Could you imagine? That'd be I don't, crazy. I don't want to. <laughs> You're still up at 2 a.m. producing this. <laughs> no, no offense. This is not part of my retirement plan. Fair enough. Fair enough. But uh, yeah, good for Kale McCarr. He, he's a beast. And I mean, my really only other takeaway from this game is I know Dallas is really good, but Jake Ottinger hasn't been that great this year. And if he's not great, that defense is not terribly good in front of him. It's, it's decent. They need him to be great. Yeah. The, 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 the Stars defense is decent, but I think they need help. Allegedly, they're the front runners on Chris Tanev at the moment or Noah Hannafin. I think that's just a natural fit. I think that's a trade that's yeah. going to get done before the deadline. I think Tanev is going to be a star, which is going to be very annoying because he's very good. But this is just the problem I've had with Dallas. I've said this multiple times, and I have reflected on this take a lot recently. I still don't feel any different about it. There's just something about Dallas that just strikes me as wrong. I don't know if it's just their, they lack that true star or if it's Ottinger or just their defense isn't super well built, but this team plays a ton of overtime games. They're in a ton of close games that don't need to be. They're very, very good. But I feel like people always hype them up as just this bona fide Stanley Cup contender, and their results don't always match that. Because I don't really understand how Dallas is not farther ahead. The Avs have not played well enough lately to still be close. No, they haven't, and they've been struggling. I think they were they were on a four game losing streak before they beat Carolina in that game we were talking about on Saturday, where they only had like sixteen shots and found a way to win. But they lose to the Islanders at home. They get beat up by the Avs. Like, they haven't been playing good hockey themselves. And everyone talks about this team and their, like, how great their forwards are. The problem is, is that I thought their best forward tonight was Jamie Benn. And Jamie Benn's not going to win you a Stanley Cup. You need need Jason Robertson or Ropey Hintz to do something. And in the three games against the Avs this year, Jason Robertson has done jack shit. I don't even remember his name being called tonight. Hey everybody, hope you've been enjoying this episode so far, interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor at DraftKings Sportsbook. We know hockey games move fast, but with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you can score faster than anything happening on the ice. This week, new customers can bet 5 bucks and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. The season is heating up for the Avalanche as they're past the All-Star break and getting closer to the playoffs every single day. So if you want to get yourself even more invested as the season reaches the home stretch, head to DraftKings Sportsbook now. And again, that's just five bucks and you can get 200 instantly in bonus bets. So what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. Again, new customers bet just five bucks on the NHL and 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. The crown is yours. If you've got a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. Now, back to the episode. Like Again, I've said it multiple times, Like Robertson has been really disappointing this year. He's got 19 goals on the season, 57 points in 60 games, under a point per game. Rope Hintz, who's always like all super underrated guy conversation, which I agree with. I mean, he's not appreciated as much as he should be, but it's again, another guy, that's your top line center, who is 
under a point per game. Joe Pavelski, 39 years old, is doing everything he can. He's got 49 points in 60. Like they're, they're a deep team. Make no mistake about that. And Matt Duchesne's doing very well for them this year. He's got 56 and 58. And they're bringing up Logan Stankoven, who was the leading scorer in the AHL and is probably going to be a big problem on that Stars team for a long time. But it just seems like they really lack a true finishing touch on this team right now. And their depth is making up for the fact that the guys at the top aren't doing what they're supposed to. Right. And that's where I, that's where my hesitation comes with this team. And that's where you need Jake Ottinger to be the Jake Ottinger we've seen the past couple of years. He's just been kind of meh. Like, He's been Georgiev level. He's a 903. Yeah. Like he hasn't been that much better. And that 903 is really propped up by early in the season. He was like a 930. He's yeah. dropped off below Georgiev levels since that point. And granted, he got hurt and he got missed hurt. a while. But since he's come back, he hasn't been that good. No, he hasn't been that good. And it's just, I feel like it's being underreported just because you you imagine with Ottinger, it's just he'll he'll find a way to click it on. But I don't know, man. Like, there's just something about the Stars team that if we do match up with them in the first round, I kind of like our matchup against them. It's hard not to. We're 3-0 against them. Two of them in their building, we pulled off incredible comebacks. One we topped off in regulation, and the other, Nathan McKinnon just blew a fat one right in their face in front of their crowd in overtime. Then they come to our building. Again, second half of back-to-back, I understand that, but they they got beat up real bad. Yeah. in this game like they just could not match it where it's like depth for depth dallas is deeper than the abs absolutely i will give them that but robertson hints pavelski duchene could not even begin to match the star power that the abs threw out there and and Miro heiskinen is not kale mccarr that conversation died two years ago <laughs> yeah i mean it's uh, that conversation died quick i, I still think Miro Heiskanen's a top 10 defenseman in the league but he's even the even abs him. if you look at every single aspect outside of depth the abs are better yeah and the abs are gonna keep getting better again they did not have val in this game and they still have not made the move for the center as of yet or any move as of yet where the stars have been relatively healthy. They didn't have Tyler Sagan. Oh, it's- dude, that drove me crazy on the ESPN broadcast. Like, the stars are just so beat up right now. It's like, fuck off for the past two Shut years. Up. This team hasn't battled it, injuries. Literally, the first time I've heard of the stars having it, a major injury in like three right. years. Like, okay. I don't want to hear anything about injuries with this team. Like, oh, no, he's going to miss three weeks. My God. Ooh, I was sitting there and I was like, yeah, they're just riddled with injuries. And I was like, what? Boo hoo. Our captain hasn't played a regular season game in two years. Yeah, you have Tyler Sagan and Evgeny Dadanov are your players out right now. I, I don't want to hear anything. Oh, <laughs> no. Like, my like, God. You still have Jason Robertson. You still have Ropehan. You still have Joe Pavelski. And the abs have just, they've played well against the Stars this year. So if they do not win the division and they match up against the Stars, granted, there's tons of bad juju when it comes to facing the Stars in the playoffs. I like the abs matchup, man. I do. Like, just. If Jason Robertson can't put it together, like Jason Robertson needs to be going toe to toe with with Miko Rantanen, and yeah. we've said Miko Rantanen's like he's not having his greatest season. He's still up there in points, but Miko Rantanen could be even better. Jason Robertson should be going toe to toe with that, not having nineteen goals on the top line. Like he's not been terrible, but like that's not superstar production. And and Merrill Heiskin and like we've both talked him up forever as being a a super underrated guy, but there comes a certain point where he needs to be a Norris contender. 
because that's what he's been hyped to be the whole time. He's 24 and has never even sniffed that conversation. Yeah, he got hurt for a little bit too this year. Didn't didn't he get hurt in the abs game? He got hurt against the abs, but he, yeah. he he's played 49 games. Like he didn't miss a ton of time. Yeah. Like it's just, I don't know. There's something about the stars that's just off, and maybe they'll add some stuff at the deadline. But you gotta remember, this team struggled with the Kraken in the playoffs last year. Like they had to go to game seven with the Kraken fully healthy. The abs went to game seven battered and bruised to hell. Like so, if in that series against the Kraken, if they if Val doesn't just disappear, the abs win that series. Right. It's that's the only thing they would have needed in that series to make a difference. And the stars, they they granted they won the series. You gotta give them credit for that, but they won by the skin of their teeth, and Vegas humbled them very quickly in the final. The shit out of them. Yeah. Vegas beat the shit out of them. Just like they beat the shit out of everyone. But yeah, they beat the shit out of them. So I, I don't know. I, I still think Dallas is a very good team, but I just in the games I've watched, and you watch them all year, they're just they're good. There's just I, something I, off. About yeah. like it's not even really anything that I can just pinpoint and be like, oh, if they do this, they'll fix it. Like I think it just comes from the top down. Like it's just the guys at the top. Like they're not as scary as they should be. Like I should be more terrified of this team, and I'm not. And I I think that's a big problem for the Stars, where they add Matt Duchesne to that lineup they had last year and bring in a guy like Logan Stankoven and get another year from Wyatt Johnston and Thomas Harley's having the fantastic season that he's having. Why am I not more scared of this team? They don't have the results that back up this team that they have, and they haven't had it all year. It's not an anomaly. Even when they look their scariest, it doesn't last very long. No. It, it, also, I, I think I found with this team, there's a new player to hate most on the stars. Mason Marchman just rubs me the Oh, my God. Like, he, almost killed he almost yeah. killed himself in this game trying to hit Josh Manson. Yeah. <laughs> just the the kind of absolute reckless abandon to to being a rat he's not nick cousins level but just the kind of thing where slashing byram as he's skating by after byram takes the tripping call kind of thing just under underrated piss baby yeah I, i'm just like you almost legit broke your neck trying to hit josh manson it was very funny that josh manson of all defensemen evades you but he's he, he's gonna be a pain in the ass for a long time he's had a great year too but I was just sitting there watching. I'm like, I kind of fucking hate this guy. Yeah, very, very annoying to to deal with on the stars. But yeah, I mean, I don't have a ton of other thoughts in the game. I the Avs, they just did a good job responding to momentum and taking back some of their own and just not giving the stars any room to breathe in this game. It's it's what you want to do. You've had two days of rest and you're playing a team that played yesterday, had to travel and went to overtime. Just you step on their neck. And you don't give them any space to breathe. You don't give them any momentum to build off of. And you just, you want to take care of business. And that's exactly what they did. And it's a massive divisional win. They don't have another game like this against Dallas or Winnipeg, like we said, until the very end of the season, where they play Dallas on, what is it, April 7th, and then Winnipeg on April 13th. And they're 3-0 and against Dallas, which is very good. They've gotten six points against them, and Dallas has only gotten one out of the overtime loss. But... Dallas has one of the easiest schedules left in the oh, NHL yeah. this season. They have still yet to play the Sharks. They've got the Coyotes twice still. And in terms of good teams they have left, they have to play Florida once, the Jets twice, who they're going to play on Thursday, Vancouver, the Avs again, the Oilers, and the Kings twice. The only team with an easier schedule left is Minnesota. So Interesting. Dallas, yeah. I think they said on the broadcast Dallas only has six division games left hmm. you know that is that is interesting 
But what was I just about to say about that? I was just about to say something and my mind just totally skipped a beat. So move on because I've already forgot it. <laughs> sure. Anyway, in terms of the Avs and their strength of schedule remaining, they have the 12th easiest schedule. They have to play the Jets, the Rangers, the Canucks, the Stars, have not played the Oilers this season, which I still think is very weird. But they still have the Hawks twice, who they're going to play on Thursday, Blue Jackets twice, and yeah, I can't talk Montreal, Calgary, St. Louis. I mean, it's not an easy schedule coming up, but a lot of their tough matchups are are in the rearview mirror after that road trip. Yeah, I remember what I was going to ask you. That game Thursday, the Stars and Jets, we want the Stars to win that one, right? That's what I'm leaning towards, yeah. Yeah. Because the Jets, they're they're kind of turning it back on after cooling off a little bit lately. And you beat Dallas already. And Winnipeg beat the Blues today, yep. if I'm remembering that result correctly. So yep. ideally, you just don't want it to go to overtime. Yes. But you close the gap on Dallas. Now you want Dallas to take away one of those games in hand that Winnipeg has so you can close the gap on them. Yeah, I think we want Dallas to win that game. Yeah. And so, okay. when did I, when did those two teams play again? So Thursday, and then Thursday, April eleventh is the last time they play. So we won't have to worry about that for a little while. Okay, good, good. Because I don't like cheering for the stars, but I feel like I'm in. Oh, I will not be cheering for the stars. I will be cheering for one team to get killed. Yeah, I like that idea too. But yeah, I mean, you took the words right out of my mouth when you're putting the summer around this game. Took care of business. Did exactly what you need to do. It makes that Maple Leafs loss sting a little bit more because it could be going on a nice little win streak here. But like we talked about at the end of last episode, the Avs have a pretty nice schedule coming up. They should rattle off four out of five in these next five games. Well, you can also look at it like since the road trip, the Avalanche have gotten points in four of the five games since. They only lost in regulation to Toronto. They've won three or four games at home. They lost the one road game, but they got a point out of it. I mean, they're getting returns. They've only missed out on three points since. And now, like you said, they're going into Chicago on Thursday or tomorrow by the time you're listening to this to play the worst team in the NHL. Does that game not terrify you? As a I am. Spot? But, but like we already did this. We, we already saw this one where they lost to Chicago in Chicago in a game that they should have won. Not interested in that. Again, we already did it. You got it out of your system. Beat the shit out of this awful team, please. Yeah, I'm still terrified. Uh, <laughs> this game, it, you should beat the shit out of the Chicago team, but something is just terrifying me about this game, and I don't I mean, know why. Chicago's going to be well-rested coming into this game. There, it's going to be their first game since the, the Patrick Kane return where Kane scored the overtime winner on them. That was on Sunday the 25th, so they're going to have four days of rest coming into this game against the Avs. Should not matter. Shouldn't matter. Like you said, it's the worst team in the NHL. But if, again, you, if you can't win this game on the road, just <laughs> don't even show up to the next road games. Only play your home games the rest of the season. Just forfeit. Just yeah. forfeit. Like, like, why bother? You can't beat Chicago in Chicago right now. Not interested in the remaining, like, 10 road games. Yeah, I'm in the same boat because it's it should be an easy win. But for some reason, Chicago always seems to play the abs tough. And I don't know why. I don't know why, but they always seem to. So I'm cautiously optimistic about that game. I just, I, I imagine, do you put Eustace Anna in this game? I think you do Eustace in this game. I, I think you do in this game. 
just because I think that's kind of the rhythm you've had going lately. And it, it seems like it's working. You give Anand in a game every two to three and going up against Chicago in Chicago, it's not an awful matchup. And you give Georgiev a little bit of a chance to, to reset. It seems like a pattern that's been working and anand has been giving you results. You just haven't given him results in return. Right. And with Georgiev, as, as much as he says that he likes to play, I think not playing every single night over the last couple of weeks has opened the door for him to have some better performances. I do think those two things coincide with the fact that Georgiev has looked better is that he's actually getting some time off. Well, because also remember last year is like when Frankie came back, that's when Georgiev got a lot better. Right. Just having a backup goalie and having a security blanket. So as much as he says he likes to play, there is a lot of merit to the results that having a backup goalie is very good for him. I just love how for him, he's still going to play in like 60 games. I'm like, yeah, he had some games off near the end. Yeah, he got some games. Off. I mean, what really matters is he gets time off towards the end of the yeah. year. As long as he's healthy right now and is still feeling good and playing his best, if you can rest him even just, I mean, what are we talking about? Six, seven games the rest of the way. You know, yeah. fuck it. Let's just have this conversation now about backup goalie. Do you just go with Ananen the rest of the way? I think we talked about it a couple episodes ago. I'm comfortable with Ananen at this point. Like, he's looked good. And Prozatov has all of a sudden come back to life with the Eagles. Uh, he's been phenomenal with the Eagles. So I think it goes back to that conversation we had about Prozatov. He just needed to play hockey. And now that he's getting to play hockey, he's turned back into a decent goaltender. Granted, it's the AHL. But Onanen's given you enough in these past two games. If he can go out in against Chicago and have a strong performance, I yes. think we can bury the question of getting a backup goalie. Because just there's get the guy a win. Yeah. Just get Eustace a win, please. The guy's been playing his ass off lately. He deserves a, a positive result his way. And you also have to consider, with, like, you're not getting a backup goalie for free. And what did I just say? How many games are you going to be playing your backup goalie for the rest of the season with? 22 games left six six seven games what is jake allen mark andre Fleury, alex and gonna cost you like it's not gonna be for free like they're not just gonna go give that up like you're probably talking a decent draft pick probably at least a third in that situation i think that's being optimistic just with how the market is right now is that is it worth giving that up for you have more security in those six, seven games and a better safety blanket if something happens to Georgiev in the playoffs? I don't think so. I, 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 I think how the because this is a seller's market right now. The sellers are gonna get handsome rewards. I think the abs are going to spend a lot on a second line center and they won't have much left in the cabinet, so they're just gonna save it and just if Georgiev gets hurt nothing else you could do like it's just it's at that point in the season where you're just like well if it happens it happens right and I, i've seen people bringing up the example like well they needed frankie when they won the cup in 2022 i mean and that's a fair point but this team is just not built that way right now yeah. where they could carry darcy kemper and frankie where you were getting similar results from either of them anyway and that's not going to be the case with whether it's Ananen or whoever else you're bringing in honestly I would just, if something happens to Yorgiev, fuck it, ride the rookie goalie wave where no no one has tape on. Like, that's worked way too often lately. Like, Aiden Hill, Matt Murray, Bennington in his rookie season. Like, there there is a track record to that. Whereas just you throw a, a guy in there that no one has tape on, and he just goes crazy. Like, I, I'd, I'd take that over Jake Allen. 
Yeah, I would too. I, I think that's the smart thing to do. And I think you invest into other problems on this team because Ananen's kind of, I think he's helped calm a lot of the worries about a backup goalie in those two or three games he's played. And so, you have to consider he's on a league minimum contract. This yeah. is also a guy you're investing in already. It's not a bad idea to give him an important role and review that in the off season as to whether or not you want to go spend on a better backup or just continue down this line right now where you can use that money, like the, the extra maybe million, million and a half you'd spend on a backup to improve the rest of your lineup. And I think we've all kind of taken as, oh, they're just going to trade Ryan Johansson at the trade deadline. They might not be able to do yep. that. Like that's not just something as simple as you attach a second round pick to him and send him to the hell called Chicago. But they don't have their second round pick this year or next year. They have it in 2026. Is that enough to attach to that contract and send him to a bad team for them to hit the cap floor? I really don't know. Is Are you comfortable giving up a first just to get off of that deal? No. I don't know. But let's just say, hypothetically, Adam Henry comes in at half retained at 2.9 whatever, and Ryan Johansson's on the fourth line at $4 million. You can make that work. You have to put people on waivers, but you can carry that and have an extra forward and still be, I think, $500,000 under the salary cap, where at that point you have nothing to spend on a backup goalie, where if you do, it makes a move like that impossible, where a lot of the moves that the Avs make is going to be dependent on whether or not a Ryan Johansson trade is possible, where it's like $3 million is their absolute maximum. And even then there's some finagling to do. There's some finagling and it's just starting to think that it's more than likely going to be, he's an off season trade for Johansson. I I think he's going to stick around for the rest of the year. Yeah. I I think, I think if there is a deal and they have other guys that they want to bring in and not enough money to do so, they're going to find a way to do that. But I think even still, like just putting Ryan Johansson on the fourth line and putting someone else at second line center, like I think that's maybe just a little more of a realistic possibility. Because um, unless a team like Chicago or San Jose is just willing to to take on that deal right now and be okay with maybe a later second round pick, I don't know if that happens because I don't know if the Avs are super crazy about sticking a first round pick on that if it's not solving any problems on this team. Agreed. I think that's just unless it's in the same trade, like it's Johansson and the first already, and you're getting another guy back, then that's a different story. But it's a different story. But we'll have to wait and see. But it's it's going to be interesting. So and and here we are. I think we're both on the same page, though. Just you don't need a backup goalie. You're good. Yeah, and if if you get a guy who has another year. I think that's a different story. Like Charlie Lindgren, for example, a guy is super cheap, has an extra year. I think he's like 1.1 or something like that. Another year, he'd be very expensive to get. So that's not really my first choice, but just for the sake of conversation, if something like that happens, I wouldn't be opposed to that kind of thing. And then you have Ananen and Prozvatov in your system for next season, give them an extra year to develop, which is not a bad thing for goalies. A pretty deadly tandem in the HL. The Eagles are going to win a lot of games with that tandem if the Avs go and do that at the deadline or in the offseason and get a backup goalie. But compared to a month ago, is it's not dire 
to yes. go and get a backup goal. And I know it's been two good games for Yusuf and He could go in and against Chicago and be awful, and this conversation changes quickly. But I think the time was a month ago to make that trade. Even if Ananen struggles more down the stretch, I just I just don't I, think it's worth it to spend those assets right now. But where I do think it's worth it is down the middle. And I think they still need to consider that second line center. And we're, don't even, it doesn't even need to be a second line center. It just needs to be a center who can move. Exactly. It just needs to be a, an upgrade on Ryan Johansson. And here we are, by the time you're listening to this, it's nine days away from the trade deadline. And not only have the abs not done anything, no. nobody's done anything. It has been dead silent. I think I've gotten used to it not being trade deadline day and it being more trade deadline month. I'm surprised at the lack of moves, but it just seems like there's a bunch of stuff waiting to happen, even if it's not super interesting. Just some trades waiting to come through, like we just said, with maybe Tanev going to the Stars. And with the Avs and their position down the middle, I've been talking myself more into to Adam Henrique. I think that's just a, a pretty decent fit. Honestly, he checks a lot of boxes that the Avs like. The more tape I've been watching, the more I've been studying up on his game, because I could I don't watch a ton of Ducks games. I'm going to be straight. Don't spend a lot of my time watching the Anaheim Ducks if I don't have to. So I've been kind of catching up on Henrique. I think he checks a lot of boxes that the apps like. He's an all-zone player. He plays on the power play. He plays on the penalty kill. He's a good face-off guy down the middle. Where is he the slam dunk home run second-line center we've been craving? I don't think so. But I think he's a good fit. And you just stick him between a freshly returned Val and maybe Drew Ann on the other side and bump Johansson down, that's a significant improvement. Yep, agreed. That's where I'm at. And I, I tweeted this out during the Stars game. I felt bad for Jonathan Drew because he's done nothing wrong to be demoted to the third line. It's just Arturi Lekkonen's better. And you watch Drew Ann out there with Johansson and Parisi, and you're like, this poor guy, man. He's been playing with McKinnon and Ranton all year, and now all of a sudden he's got to go play with Ryan Johansson and Zach Parisi. Like, that's that's got to be tough. But you talk about Duran. He has that playmaking ability where he's going to be flexible to play anywhere in the lineup. You get him a good center, and I think he can continue doing what he was doing with McKinnon. Because that pass he made tonight to Arturi Lekin on that tic-tac-toe, that's a special passing play. Like that's that a is, confidence play. Where yeah. it's just like that he's not making that play in Montreal, but because he's been trusted with a role in Colorado, he has the confidence to go make that play. It's a beautiful one touch to Lekkinen. I, was, I don't think Lekkinen was expecting it to be no. that perfect. He almost kind of flubbed it, but it's so perfect that it just ends up in the back of the net anyway. And that's the thing that it feels like with with Ryan Johansson right now. It's just like I feel bad picking on him episode after episode after episode. But it's, it's such a glaring weakness on this team right now where it's just holding back so many things where it's just like, okay, we have to put Drew Ann on this line tonight because Lekkinen's playing so well. And we just, it's not anyone's fault. It's not Drew Ann's fault. Like the fact we're attributing, like it's not his fault that he has to play with Ryan Johansson right now is, is telling enough. If yeah. you can just Adam Henrique, Yanni Gord, kind of guys where Gord has another year on his deal. I think that's the kind of move that it's like, it's not super sexy, but it's the kind of move that helps the team and plays the style of hockey that the Avs like to play and helps you this year, try to win a cup and not break the bank. Kind yep. of thing. Agreed. Agreed. So uh, just to put a wrap on it. 
what we we kind of skipped over it. What, what's your prediction for the Chicago game? For the Chicago game, I think they're going to put up another five spot. I'm going to say it's a five to two win. I think Allen has a a solid night, and Connor Bedard scores one. I think it's going to be closer than we like. I think it's going to be five three in regulation. The Avs get an empty netter to to make it a two goal win. But it's a win. A win's a win. We'll take it. So go from there. Uh, any other ab stuff we missed before we quickly recap the NHL so you can get to bed as it almost hits 1.30 East Coast time? Yeah, we're definitely doing our best here at the moment at a solid 1.21 a.m. Eastern time. But in terms of other abs news, I mean, Kovalenko is starting the playoffs with the KHL right now, and he is going up against the the top seed. So it could be a pretty short playoff run for Kovalenko and he might be over here maybe sooner than we expected is the where I think the torpedo is where he plays their seventh and they're going up against ska SKA in the first round, which is the, that the one that Putin owns. It's the, it's the powerhouse team yeah. in Russia. The one that's just surprisingly is always winning things with their mysterious backer. But <laughs> yeah, no, I mean that that's just another wild card. You add to this team, man. I, I just, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I wouldn't know much about this uh, Kovalenko kid if it wasn't for Evan just staying up and grinding KHL tape, which I don't even know where you find that. So I'm cautiously optimistic about him. It, it, it Worst case, it's just another forward to add. Yeah, I mean, that, that's where my expectations are. I mean, you look at this team fully healthy, you, don't, you almost don't even know where Kovalenko is going to play. Right. Is he going to play on the fourth line kind of thing? Like, is that the kind of role he's expecting? Is that a role he can thrive in? It might have to be because it's not first, it's not second, and it's not third with the amount of wing depth that this team has this season. So I'm excited to to see what he's going to be able to do in the NHL. It, it doesn't hurt to have more depth. Like We've known this is going to happen for a little while. And if he's alternating with Kibi Ranta down the stretch and game one of the playoffs, you've got just Nikolai Kovalenko, who no one in the NHL has tape on, who's got that kind of skill and just ability to to run people over. He could be a very sneaky fourth line guy that catches people by surprise. Yeah, I like it. So uh I hate to say I want to see one of our future pros lose, but get swept and get your ass over here. Yeah. <laughs> get your ass over here, dude. Get some playoff experience. Come over here and we'll we'll make it feel better when we win you yeah. a cup. Yeah. So I don't think there's much else. Avs news. Um uh-huh. real quick around the NHL, you kind of brought it up that Patrick Kane thing was it was cool. Like it's always cool to see a former player. Like uh, the three curtain calls he got, that was that was pretty cool. I'm biased. I thought the Eric Johnson one was better, but that's just me. Um, I can't imagine why. But that was also just kind of a storybook thing. He scores the overtime winner. It was cool. I mean, if you're Chris Chelios, you got to be so pissed <laughs> that was your jersey retirement night because no one else remembers Chris Chelios getting retired. It's just Patrick Kane coming back. Yeah, unfortunate. I mean, they. I think. I, at least I think they scheduled that before Kane was a Red Wing, right? They did. They okay. did. But still, like, if you're a Chris Jealous, it's like, fuck you, dude. Like, I'm the hometown kid. Like, and yeah, you got come here and fucking steal my thunder. I'm getting second billing on Patrick Kane return night and Kane. Yeah, my jersey retirement. Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, there's Chris Chelios. His jersey's there. It's cool. Yeah, that's cool. Is he going to be one of the few players who's had his jersey retired by multiple teams from the original six? Because didn't he get retired by the Red Wings, too? I don't know. Uh, we're not going to get into that because it's already too late. But 
I thought that was very funny. Uh, we talked about the Flyers being sneaky. Wild they're not, they're sneaky. not sneaky anymore. They're making the playoffs. Yeah, Flyers are Flyers are going to make the playoffs, which is wild. Um, because that team is not great. They beat up on the Lightning tonight. Penguins, I I love what you said about them. That team should be so much. I watched them against the Canucks tonight. Like that that team should be better than what their record indicates. They should be. And yet they're not. Nope. And here yeah. here we are still, where they're just probably just going to trade Gensel and and miss the playoffs coming up here. Like it's crazy. It's unfortunate for them. They yeah, they, just, they they ended up winning that game, didn't they? They did. They oh, did. Okay. But like I watched that and I'm like, how is this team not higher? Like this is a good team. But then also Lars Eller was their second forward off the uh, the second line forward in overtime. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the, the East is a weird ass conference right now where the Metro is just awful, which is awful. weird because wasn't the Metro really good last year? Yeah, it was pretty solid last year, and I thought it was going to be solid again. Yet there are two good teams right now with the Rangers and the Hurricanes. Neither of that, like the Rangers, they just came off a nine-game winning streak. Like they might just get out of that division by default. Like there's not a lot of great teams. Carolina's good, but they they don't have that same juice that they've had in previous seasons, where like they just really come off like this huge threat. Like they are threatening, but it's not the same as as what it used to be with them. And the same Flyers, thing. the Flyers work hard. There is no conceivable reason for the Devils and the Penguins to be this far behind them. Yeah, I mean, the Penguins still have a chance. They got four games in hand on Philadelphia. Yeah, and they did just beat Philly. And they, yeah. So I, if New Jersey makes that trade, I saw, I forget who retweeted, it might have been Evan about Soros potentially going to New Jersey. That would be a big move for them. And if the, I saw that they're hung up on Dawson Mercer. Who gives a fuck about Dawson Mercer? Get UC Soros on your fucking hockey team. What are you doing? Yeah. Uh, the Devils, like, they got to they gotta do something. You can't miss the playoffs this no. year, not in this conference with how no. mediocre most of these teams have been. And after the season they had last year, like, yeah, they've been dealing with injuries. But, like, Hughes is back. Now, like you got to be doing better than beating up on the on the Sharks like they did tonight, where they lose to Tampa pretty convincingly. I watched that game from start to finish. It was not super close. They lost the Rangers. They can't beat the Capitals. Whereas like that game against the Flyers in the stadium series should have been the turnaround for them. But they're still just kind of floating. Like they just haven't made any meaningful push. Maybe the Penguins being on a three game winning streak is the start of a push for them. But I don't know. Like I just keep waiting for the Flyers to fall out of it and someone to take their place. It just doesn't happen. Nope, doesn't happen. And I, I, I saw that tweet. I'm like, if the Devils don't want to give up on Dawson Mercer for UC Sorrow, like that still is just. Well, I also saw like, isn't that a Predators thing that like they don't want that trade for whatever reason? No, they want Dawson Mercer. And okay, the Devils maybe, aren't. Maybe I just him. read that whole tweet wrong, but yeah, maybe I did too. But I, if that's the holdup, just fucking get it over and just. Yeah. Because if, if you're the Predators, you have Askarov. And, like, yes, you're in the playoffs right now. Be very honest with yourselves. Is yeah. it really worth it to hold on to UC Soros and not get the ransom that you're reportedly going to get, whether it's from L.A. or New Jersey or anyone like that? If they're offering you the chance to get a great young forward and a ton of assets, is that not infinitely smarter? than just holding on to him and waiting for his value to decrease because he hasn't been great this season. He's been good, but he hasn't been great. 
if his value decreases more and Askarov just takes over the job anyway, you're not going to get it. And you're just going to continue. What, what does LA have to trade? Like, what do they have left to move if they're trying to get you? Sorry. They're going to have to pick up the couch cushions to find something to, to give up on, but I'm sure they've got something. Yeah. But that'd be a scary. If Soros goes there, that's a scary team, too. Yeah. Like in so. Markstrom eventually as well. Like, th- those are the two guys that are just the big questions of the deadline, where it's just this could be a very shitty deadline where very not much happens. Or we could see UC Soros and Jacob Markstrom just completely change some of the landscapes. Yeah, completely change them. So I don't think there's much else in NHL news. It's been a quiet week, honestly. Um, The Leafs finally lost. They got beat up by the Vegas Golden Knights tonight. So that was fun to see. I don't think I got anything else, man. No. And you know what? I'm all right with that. It's 1.30. Did you want to do your bitching about ESPN Plus or save that for another day? I've found it in my heart to forgive them. Okay. I've I had an, I've had enough. It's One nothing. Question. What'd you think about the like on bench reporter tonight? I, I thought she gave a very lifeless performance. Honestly, I wasn't paying very close attention. <laughs> you go back and listen. She's the most monotone person I've ever seen in my life. So just before you go to bed tonight, go watch that. Yeah. Just honestly, maybe that's indicative of itself. I did not notice <laughs> if I'm being perfectly honest. All right. I'll give a little bit. I don't know why it is so hard to film a hockey game. I have never seen any other broadcast have the same consistent problem where every single time the avalanche are on ESPN plus, it is the most nauseating zooming in, not knowing where the puck is fucking mess. Every single time the abs are on ESPN. I don't know if it's the same person or if it is just a one giant prank that the ESPN keeps running on us, but I am going to fucking lose it the next time this happens. And the good thing is we don't have another ESPN game for two days. Yeah, you got about to say you get to see it on Thursday. So. Yeah, we get to see it again on Thursday. I, I just don't understand <laughs> why we get the F crew of ESPN. I have never seen Altitude have this problem. I have never seen Monumental have this problem. I have never watched a TNT game with this problem. Never once watching any games this season have I been like, wow, this camera is shit. And every time I watch an ESPN Plus game, specifically the abs, you can't see anything because they're all over the goddamn place. Yeah. And for those who are wondering why Griffin is complaining about this so much, this is literally what Griffin's job is. Like yes. he, he went to school for this type of shit production. So he has a right to bitch. So I always let him take the floor here because uh, this is literally his job. Like framing, <laughs> like just genuine basic framing. Like I hate the word, like I could do this. I literally could. <laughs> I know I, you could. I could fly across the country right now and do a better job. And just Maybe in Chicago. I, like, I'm dead serious about that. Like, I have training in this. I've worked ESPN broadcasts before and run cameras for them. I've run cameras at M&T Bank fucking stadium kind of thing where I know at least a little bit of what I'm doing. And so watching that be a nationally televised game from a person who runs a camera like they have never watched hockey in their lives and they don't know what's going on. With like they're actively reading the rule book and missing the play as it goes on. Okay, I'm done. That's yeah, all. You're I done. Have you got it out of you. You got it. Now you can go to bed. Relax. Got it out. It only took a minute and a half. Only took a minute and a half. You're good. Let's end the show. 
and we'll, we'll part ways before I get us off on another tangent. I've reached Nirvana. <laughs> We're good. I've hit my, my metabolic states. We've reached Nirvana. I'm going to wrap this Deep up breath. here. Thank you all very much for tuning in to another meditative edition of the Teledav It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Namaste. If you want to use promo code Teledabs, it is on SeatGeek for $20 off your first order of $50 or more. You can do that. I don't know why I phrased it like that, but <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter. You can follow me at G Young's NHL. You can follow Christian at Christian underscore Belay. And you can follow the show at Tell It As It Is. But again, thank you all so very much for tuning in. And we will catch you all next time. But until then, let's go abs. <laughs>